Well, good morning, church. How are you guys doing this morning? Good. It's good to see each of you here. <laughs> and um, we are excited that you're with us. I know we said this a moment ago, but if you're new to NCC or if you're watching this maybe later this week online for the first time, we just want to welcome you and say thanks so much for joining with us. We are excited that you're here, um, and we're praying that God would do something great and speak something great in your life as you're with us this morning. And we're in our fourth and our final week of this series called Alternate Reality, and we've been spending the past few weeks looking at and talking about how as we come to Christ and we submit our life to Him, and as we open up Scripture and Scripture begins to shape our life, our world looks very different from the culture around us. And God calls us um, into a different mindset, a different perspective, a different attitude, this kind of alternate reality. We see the world around us different because of what God is doing inside of our life. And so Pastor Caleb did an amazing job last week about talking about eternity is real. And this morning, we're going to look at this idea right here. So if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Um, Think of others first. Think of others first. That's how we want to see the world differently. And as I begin to prepare messages, I'll start to look online, like, you know, look up scripture and start to study scripture that's going on, what different theologians and commentaries say about that. So I'll start to look at that. And then sometimes I'll look at other talks or other resources. And so I got on Google and I typed that in, think of others first. And it started pulling up all of these videos that said, think of yourself first. And I kind of looked at it, scratched my head, and I was like, wait, did I type that wrong? Like, what's going on? And and so I look again, and Google even said that. Do you ever see where it said, did you mean? It's like, did you mean think of others or yourself first? And I was like, no, that is not what I typed, Google. And, And so I kept looking. But there was so much, so many articles. Think of yourself first. Why you should think of yourself first. Why you should just think about you. And it was so difficult. Like, I had to scroll down. I had to really look to find people that were talking about how do we think of others first? How do we put others in front of ourselves? And man, it just kind of hit me. We do. We live in a culture where it is me first. That's really how we live. Like we, we like to think, oh yeah, we're, we're kind people. We're neighborly, like we're nice to others. But so many times if we really stop and evaluate it, we're thinking about ourselves We're thinking about how this is affecting us and and how we're experiencing this moment. And and maybe this happens because um, as a baby, the world revolves around you, right? Like if you've ever had a newborn or uh, if you've had other people or been around other people that have a newborn, I mean, the world stops when that baby cries, right? And and as a newborn parent, you have to do, like that's needed for the nurture and, and for that sense of security and safety for that young baby um, and that newborn as they begin to develop. And so the baby cries and you immediately like you run over, no matter what you're doing, you drop whatever you're doing and you make sure does, does he need to be fed? Does she need to be changed? Like, like what's going on? You just want to care for their every need. And once again, like that's necessary, but, but as we grow up and as we mature, as we leave childhood and start to move into adulthood, we should start to realize the world doesn't revolve around us. I don't know if you realize this, but we share this planet with 7 billion other people, okay? And so this isn't just your planet. Like, nothing revolves around you at this point. And so we should move to that mindset, but we, sometimes we still think like that. Like, I get frustrated when I walk into the grocery store and I've got my cart. I really want people to just say, hey, 
you look like a busy parent. Just go ahead, go to the front of the line, okay? Like, we'll just stop whatever we're doing and, and just move up to the, or when I'm going through traffic, right? And, and I just zip over. I expect people to just kind of clear the lane so I can easily get through. And, and that's how so many of us live. Like, on social media, like my posts, like my photo, like my Instagrams, like we just, we want to be the center of everyone's attention. We want everyone to notice us because our thoughts revolve around us. So much of our life revolves around us. But as we open up scripture, we see this challenge from Jesus that you would think of others first. And so if you have your Bibles, I want you to open them to Mark chapter 12, and we're going to start reading at verse 30. So Mark chapter 12, verse 30, if you didn't bring a Bible with you, there's a blue Bible in the seat in front of you, and you can turn to page 495 in that Bible and follow along with us. And I want to encourage um, everyone to open up the scripture because this isn't just my thoughts. This is Jesus talking, and, and he says something here about this idea of thinking of others first. And once you have that, hold on to that for just a moment. And if you've never read this part of Mark, this is right before the death and resurrection of Jesus. So Mark has talked about the life of Christ, like we've seen some of the miracles that he's done. We've seen um, some of the supernatural things, like him walking with the disciples, all of these things. And then we come to this point. This is just a few days before his death and resurrection. And he's in a setting like this, and he's teaching a group of people, and these religious leaders just kind of circle around Jesus. And they begin to rapid fire these questions, like, is, should you pay taxes? And, and how should you handle this? And what does God think about divorce? Like, they just kind of go through all of these questions. They don't really want to know what Jesus says. They just want to trap him. They're jealous of Jesus. They're mad. And so they're like, we're going to mess you up. We're going to get you to say something wrong. And then we're going to throw it in your face. Like that was their whole desire. And so one of them comes up to Jesus and says, hey, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? Out of everything God said in what's known as the Old Testament, um, as God was bringing his people out of slavery, like all of these commands that he gave his people, what's the most important? And this is how Jesus responds. Mark chapter 12, verse 30. He says this, love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. The second is like this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. There's no commandment greater than these. And so as you read on, he kind of shocks the guy. And the guy's like, man, you're exactly right. Like, like out of everything, like you've just nailed it on the head. And Jesus looks at him and he says, the kingdom of heaven is near to you. Like you're getting this, you're understanding this. There were over 600 laws that God had given his people. Now, you need to understand they were coming out of slavery. They were coming out of 400 years of this slavery mindset. And he said, you can't bring that mindset into the promised land, into where I'm taking you. So I need you to help, I need to help you understand how do you live in right relationship with God? How do you live in right relationship with others? And so there's spiritual laws that you read about. There's relational loss. Hey, don't steal other people's stuff. Like you may have done that while you were slaves, but I'm telling you, don't do that. That's not how civilizations Don't take other people's wives. Like he, he goes through all of this. This is how we live in right relationships. Don't lie about other people. This is how we live in right relationships with others. He even gave them, if you want to see, say hygiene rules, like he told his people, hey, when you get sick, there's some things that you need to do so you don't spread that all around. Hey, if you find mold in your house, like there's some things. So he goes through all of these. And then what these religious people did is they just kept adding to them. 
And you get to this time that Jesus is in, and some scholars believe there were maybe thousands of laws about how you had to wash a cup, how you had to wash your hands, how far you could walk on the Sabbath. And Jesus is like, you're missing all of this. This isn't what this was about. It's just a longer list of rules. He said, you want to know what's really important? You love God. You love your neighbor as yourself. So the heart of what God was saying is, hey, just pause for a moment in your busy life. Get your eyes off of yourself and start thinking about what are others experiencing in this moment? What are others thinking in this moment? What's it like to walk in their shoes? Don't just look at yourself, but take a moment and pause and say, hey, what are they going through? What, what's their day been like? What's their week been like? What are they thinking? What are they feeling right now? Stop thinking about yourself and start loving others. Begin to ask this question, how would I want to be loved in this moment? Jesus says, you do that. And you've tapped into one of the two greatest commandments that God ever gave us. You love your neighbor as yourself. You love God with everything inside of you, and you love your neighbor as yourself. So this is how Jesus is trying to get us to think. And he's saying it's so different from the world around you. And as I begin um, to look at this over the past few weeks and, and kind of think about this idea, I was reading different stories of examples of this, and I came across this story, you may be familiar with it, and I'm going to do my best to convey it because it's such a powerful story. And it was of a man named Billy Burke. And he was a New York City firefighter um, right at the time of 9-11. And so you may have heard this story before. Billy Burke was a great guy. He loved to be around people. He was a people's person. And so there's stories of the way that he visited and took care of the elderly, of the way that he um, befriended someone that was terminally ill and walked with him through the last months of his life. Like this was just a great guy to be around. He loved serving people. And that's part of the reason why he became a firefighter. And so on the morning of 9-11, he gets the call like so many other first responders that one of the towers has been struck with an airplane. And he loads up his guys. He's the captain um, of the fire station that he was at. He loads up his guys. They begin to go and respond. And while they're making their way um, to the scene of devastation, the second tower is hit. And as they arrive there, Billy looks his guys in the eyes as they get on the floor and they go into the second tower that was struck. And he looks at them and he says, you've got one thing to do today. That's one thing. You go up those stairs, you find people, you bring them back down, and then you go back up. You go up those stairs, you find people, you bring them down, and then you go back up. He's like, that's all you worry about. And so they start doing this floor by floor. They go up the stairs, they find people, they start to bring them back down. They're carrying some people down, some are injured. They said they got to about the 15th, 16th floor, and it felt like there was an earthquake. The entire building shook. They thought this building's coming down on top of us, but it was the first building starting to crumble. And it came across the radio. And in that moment of terror, Billy looks at his guys and he says, you go up, you get more people and you bring them back down. That's what you do. And so they keep doing that floor by floor by floor by floor. They get to the 27th floor. And as they break out of the stairwell and they open up into this open area, he sees a guy that's injured. Devastation, like disasters hit his body. There's now smoke, there's now ashes, like parts of the building are coming down. Like he's in this moment and he... He's panicking, but he says, you know what? I need to stay with this guy. This guy needs treatment right here. And as he does that, another man falls down the stairwell and begins to collapse. And Billy looks at the four guys that are with him. And he says, you're going to have to pick up that man and carry him down those 27 flights of stairs. And they're like, Captain, you need to come with us. And he says, I'm telling you, 
you take them down, and then if you have time, you come back up, you find more people, and you bring them back down. That's what I'm telling you to do. And so they're arguing with them, but finally they do that. Four guys it took to pick up this big man in the stairwell, and Billy's staying with this, this other injured, injured individual. And as he begins to talk with them, the crew's coming over the radio. Captain, we've made it back down to the fire truck. And right after they say that, the second building collapses. And as this individual was telling this story and conveying this powerful example of sacrifice, there's two things that he said that stuck out to me. He said, Billy Burke did not consider his life more valuable than any others on that day. Everyone that he came across, you go back up, you find someone, and you bring them back down. It doesn't matter the cost. That's what we're charged with doing today. And then he made another statement. He said, Billy Burke on that day was willing to give up years of his life to spend moments with another person, to bring compassion and care and dignity to someone that was in crisis. And that line just stuck with me. He was willing to give up years of his life life, to spend moments with someone else that just needed a little bit of care. And he didn't know how this was going to end. Obviously, there was the sense that, that something could go wrong, and it did. His life was ended that day, but he was willing to invest those last few moments with someone else and care for that person. And I was just struck by that. That's a beautiful picture of thinking of others first. And church, that's what we're called to do. This is what Jesus is talking about. He made that decision. And I don't know how you make a decision in a moment like that. And I was trying to ask myself, like, would I be able to do that? But what he did is he just said, how would I want to be loved in this moment? How would I want to be cared for in this moment? And that's what he did. He stayed with that individual that was hurting and that was in a moment of crisis. Now, I don't know that we'll be faced with an opportunity like that, but we can still make that same decision. God, we've been called to love our neighbor as ourselves. So how does that happen? Well, it happens when you and I look at the people around me and we stop just thinking about ourselves and we start thinking about what they're going through and what they're experiencing and how do we love them in that moment? So that's that coworker that you always want to point out and say, man, they're such a jerk. Like, oh, they just frustrate me so much. Why can't they get it? Why can't they understand? And pausing and saying, hey, I don't know what's going on in their family. I don't know what kind of brokenness is in their past, but obviously they're hurting. And instead of just thinking about myself, I need to take a moment and think about maybe what they're walking through. That means those of us that that live in a family with others, spouse, kids, those kinds of scenarios that we're not just thinking about ourselves. Well, I've worked so hard. I've put in so many hours this week. Hey, I have so much stuff going on. I don't have time for that. And, And we stop and we say, wait, how do I serve others? How do I love others? Jesus is saying, these are the great commandments. You love God and you love others as yourself. This is a different way of thinking. We're not used to this. This is a struggle for us to get out of our own minds and to say, hey, I'm going to love and I'm going to serve other people. When I walk into the school this week, it's not just about me. It's not just about what's going on in my life, but I'm going to begin to look at, hey, what are other students going through and how can I love them? How can I love them as I would love myself? those that are at work with me, family members maybe that frustrate me, how do I love them as I would want to be loved, as I would want to be cared for? How do I live that out? So that's what he's saying, love your neighbor as yourself. I want us to look at one more passage of scripture. If you have your Bibles, turn to Philippians chapter two. We're gonna start reading at verse one. And this is a picture of Jesus doing this. Paul, this apostle who who wrote a large portion of the New Testament, um, the writings of Christ and, and the letters to the church, 
he writes to this church, and this is what it says, Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. He says, so if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affections or sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Then listen to this. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. If you have your Bibles, you can just underline that. But in humility, count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Having this mindset among you, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God as something to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of men. He humbled himself even to death on the cross. So what's he saying? Hey, you call yourself a follower of Christ. We're believers. We're people who are trying to be that example. Then we live like Jesus did. I don't consider myself more important than the other people that God has placed around me. And Jesus was this amazing picture of this. Think about this. This is God. This is the God who spoke everything into existence. This is the God that holds everything on a subatomic level to the galaxies and the universe. Like he holds all of that in place. And what does he do? While the disciples are arguing about, wait, Jesus, who's the greatest in the kingdom? Really, when you look around at the 12 of us, Jesus, who's the best? Jesus responds with, hey, the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Well, they're around the last supper, the last meal that they're going to eat together. And all of them are like, Jesus, who's going to sit at your right hand? Who's going to sit at your left hand? Who's going to be closest to you in heaven? Who's going to be in that top position, Jesus? He says, let me show you what this looks like. He takes off his robe. He wraps a towel around his waist and he kneels down and he begins to wash their feet. Now, I don't even like feet, but these are feet that have walked through dust, that smell, that have walked through camel poop and horse poop and donkey poop as they were walking down these roads. And Jesus says, let me show you what it's like to be the greatest. You want to be the greatest? Then you serve everyone. And he's looking at them saying, you're significant, Peter. Thomas, you're significant with your doubts. Judas, you're about to betray me, but you're significant in the kingdom of God. Like, like he saw their value and he saw their worth, even when they didn't see it in themselves. He said, you want to know how God's called you to live this alternate reality? Well, then you find ways to serve everyone, even if they're about to betray you. That's how you live differently in the kingdom of God. That's what this looks like, is you find ways to serve people because the greatest thing that we can do is to love God with everything inside of us and to love our neighbors as ourselves. That's the challenge we have. That's an alternate reality. That's so foreign to the world around us, but that's how we have been called to live. Let me give you one last example to kind of tie all of this together and and I want to remind you of what Pastor Caleb talked about last week, how eternity is real. And we don't just live this life with the mindset of, of what we're doing right now, but we see the big picture of what God is doing. And so I was able um, this morning to get a rope. Um, let me grab this back here. Okay, a piece of rope. And I know this may be hard for some of you guys to imagine, but this piece of rope actually goes on forever, okay? Okay. So I want you to imagine that this piece of rope 
it goes on forever. If you have trouble imagining that, let me just show you, okay? It goes out the back of the church. It goes down Clay Mathis Road, okay? Past Terry Middle School, okay? It keeps going. It just goes on and on, okay? So you got that? This rope goes on forever, okay? That's your life. That's eternity. That's what Pastor Caleb, man, he, he was on fire last week. He shared that with us. You guys, that's how we view the world differently. And let me show you this. So many of us, we're caught up in this little red part. That's our time here on earth. This thing goes on forever. And what are we stuck on? We're stuck on this tiny little dot where someone cut me off while I was driving in traffic or someone got in front of me at the grocery store or someone said something and I'm just so fixated on this one little point that I can't see forever. I can't see eternity. And Jesus said, I called you to see the world differently. You don't look at this like everyone else. You're not just focused in on yourself. You're not just focused in on these small moments. You see the world in the view of eternity. And church, when we begin to realize that, wait a minute, that person that frustrates me so much, there's an eternity. And how am I loving them? How am I living in that way, with that mindset, with that? How am I serving them to help make sure that they spend that eternity with God and not separated from God? What's one of the greatest things that you can do? Well, you love God with all of your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength, and you love your neighbor as yourself. You think of others first. So church, I wanna pray for us this morning that we would do that. I'm gonna lead out, but just right where you're at, would you ask God, Lord, help me to think of others first this week? Let's pray together. Lord, we come before you, God, and we just pray, help us to be that kind of church, Lord. Let us be that kind of people, God. We want to live in such a way as we walk into work, God, as we interact in our families, Lord, as we're around our brothers and sisters, God, in the schools, Lord, help us to live in this way where we're thinking of others first. God, where we see the significance and the impact of their life, Lord, and we live with that view, God. Let us be that kind of church, Lord, and let it change and let it transform people. We pray this in your name. Amen.